Hey everybody, we're back on the Infuse Show. Mike, Francesca, here we are again. We are here. Good to see you guys. Always good to be back. Always good to be seen. Good to good to see <laughs> you guys hurt. as well. But you know what? I got a, I got a message for you this time. We're back, but this time we're seniors, and we're going to rule the school. It is the back to school <laughs> edition of the Infuse Show today, guys. And uh, I am I'm really excited about this one. Being a former educator, Francesca being a former educator, and Mike, I think you've written off a considerable amount of tuition checks to several <laughs> institutions with your That's three right. boys. That's right. Um, but I don't know if our audience knows. Right up north in the Keystone State of Pennsylvania, the state is is littered with amazing, amazing academic institutions. And I'm sure the two of you agree, as a lot of people do in our community. Uh, we all recognize education as a critical component in overcoming an antiquated stigma that surrounds the plant, that surrounds the culture. Um, so I am so happy that today we are joined by this gentleman who's serving as the program director of cannabis studies. God, I love saying that. It's so great that we're at this point, the program director of cannabis studies at the Pennsylvania Institute of Technology. Warm and fuchsia. Wow. Welcome to Mr. Lou Giannotti. Lou, thank you so much. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Oh, it, it's so great to, to, to have you. And, and I, I mean it. It's so good to, to say those words and attach them to an academic program that we're studying cannabis, that young people Progress. are doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot, lot of work. Lou, I, I wanted to bring this up first um, and how this how this interview came about. Um, it was actually, I think, a colleague of yours or a friend of yours walking a trade show uh, in Atlantic City, New Jersey at uh, the Canatech Emerging Industries show. Is, is that something that you're able to get to uh, yet? Have you been out on the trade show circuit talking about the work you're doing? Yes, somewhat. Try to get out as much as we can. Um, uh, limitations with time. And then, you know, we're a small school and we don't have a, a budget that lets me go out to, to the Vegas shows every other week or so. Yeah, and there's so many. I mean, it seems like... Uh, um, talk about how the industry has uh, the cannabis industry has changed things. It seems like the convention business um, has just taken off. It's every other week there's a for yeah. a, a cannabis festival. Um, yeah. That's becoming a certainly an industry uh, in and of itself um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I constant. You know, the emails coming in this conference and that conference and this whatever. But uh, yeah. uh, we do try to get out there. It, it is the only, it's a fast evolving business fast evolving science mm-hmm. and the only way to really keep up is to talk to people who are who are in it so mm-hmm. uh, you know and that's what happens to hear that and academics you kind of get walled off a little bit you know you have to you have to see what the industry is doing and yeah yeah absolutely yeah. well i mean it goes both ways the cannabis industry gets into its own bubble so it's good to have that education <laughs> yeah, piece always integrated yeah. in that's true yeah. Yeah, we love we love it because it puts us in contact with people, it puts us in contact with people like yourself. And then we get to talk to him here on Infuse. So uh, you mentioned, the, you know, that that industry evolving. Let's talk about your particular evolution in pathway into cannabis, Lou. What you know, what were your earliest experiences with the plant? Uh, and, and, and tell us a little bit about that. OK, um, well, uh, attended high school. I'm a child of the 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. 1970s, not 1870s, uh, and, and went to high school in 70s. And like any other good student at the time, um, used um, used marijuana recreationally uh, mm-hmm. quite uh, often. Um, mm-hmm. And um, 
I'd say from maybe, you know, the ages of 16 to college, you know, 20, 21 or so, just a very frequent user. Enjoy it, you know, enjoy the yeah. plant, enjoy the experience, uh, like so many. Um, had to, uh, once I had um, uh, uh, finished college, I, I had to kind of put that aside. Um, uh, I, I went to pharmacy school. And then once as a pharmacist, you're subject to random drug screenings. And um, I love cannabis, but I don't love it that much to lose my pharmacist license and my home, sure. my wife, and my children. Yeah. So I had a so I had a, about a thirty five year break in cannabis, uh, you know, for unfortunately. Um, but but what in college, I I did have an experience on more of the medical side of cannabis. I uh, as a freshman, uh, I was playing basketball in the gym. Uh, had gone up for a rebound. I'm an awful basketball player. I got up for a rebound and came down and really just rolled my ankle. I thought I broke my ankle. And, and I just kind of limped back to the dorm. And like any other responsible college student, I immediately had a beer and a joint. And, nice. and I found like nice. really within an hour or so, I was able to walk on the my ankle. Like it, it didn't even happen. It was wow. It was it was odd. And then I had another experience uh, a little after that, uh, helping a friend carry a bathtub. Um, he was refinishing his bathtub, you know, up two flights of stairs. Oh, and you know, can't, you know, hit, hurt my back a bit. You know, really felt that, you know, that shock, like I pulled something. And I just had remembered what had happened, you know, years earlier. Same thing, and it happened again. Wow! I had, I had almost, you know, within an hour or two almost total pain relief it was it was remarkable so again working as a pharmacist for 35 years uh, uh my job i was a regional director i was involved in um uh opening pharmacies you know licensure working with uh, um you know the car the, the trades getting them built getting pharmacists hired getting them trained all that side of things keeping them compliant and uh, did that for a while. Uh, I got involved in recruiting for a while as well. But but that experience um, was so helpful um, when the law changed in Pennsylvania to allow medical marijuana. I was contacted by um, a gentleman, um, uh, Keith Morgan, who uh, is the owner of uh, at the time was the owner of Holistic Industries. They do business as Liberty Dispensaries in Pennsylvania, and he uh, was in the process of. Uh, license applications. He already had one vertical license in Pennsylvania. Okay. To grow, grow, um, extract, and and retail three retails, and um, had another uh, a couple other applications in in other areas, and needed someone who could take um, take his take the business from the ground up. And when mm -hmm. I met him, we had gone to a location. It was in a strip mall in in southeastern Pennsylvania, and it was just it was it was studs and a dirt floor and uh, really got involved wow. from that point on with the build out licensing inspection hiring training marketing operation and did that he had a license to open up uh, his, his vertical license enabled him to open up three dispensaries we got three dispensaries up and running um uh, maybe four months or something really but that's what oh. i know now that, but, but I knew how to do that because of my pharmacy experience. So wow. got him up and running, um, uh, working on another. Uh, he had another license out in the Altoona, Pennsylvania area. That's for those who 
you know, that area, kind of the northwest side of Pennsylvania. And working on the same thing there, uh, got a call from uh, uh, the president of uh, Pennsylvania Institute of Technology, a gentleman, Will Robinson. And they wanted to start a cannabis studies program. And um, my interest, maybe because of my pharmacy background, um, maybe because of my own medical experience uh, with cannabis, and, 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 and probably even more so with my experience um, working in dispensaries, the need for educated employees, educated compliance law, so important, and mm -hmm. then educated, you know, to, to go beyond, you know, what do you want today in Indica? Mm -hmm. And so there was the need for that and got involved um, uh, with the program, really took the program from the ground up. I like building things and that's, this is another opportunity for me to start something from scratch. Um, we started with a cannabis science program I'm sorry, the cannabis uh, studies program, and then it was cannabis health under that. Uh, people were looking to go in more of the healthcare side of cannabis, working mm -hmm. with veterans for PTSD or children with autism, or now more and more you're seeing some surgical groups uh, turn to cannabis to avoid using opiates. Mm -hmm. Cannabis business, people looking to be, whether it's sales or managing dispensaries. Uh, we did that for two years, and then uh, a, after that, we uh, brought in a cannabis horticulture program. Uh, people who are looking to grow, uh, extract. We have a hemp license from the state, and we have grow tents on campus. And, um, and so, so we're wow. where we are now. So it's been it's been uh, as a as a as a child of the '70s. When you talk about can't believe we're you know you're seeing such a evolution of cannabis. I can't believe it. You know, it's yeah. Horrible, so. Yeah. You come a long way. From wow. yeah. Joints. Yeah. yeah right. right, right. <laughs> exactly. It's funny, you know, in our, in this business, in the, in the cannabis industry that we work in uh, with our company, the sales joint, we hear the phrase all the time, Lou, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. We do a lot of work in Oklahoma and say, you know, it's the wild west out here. As far as the, the industry is concerned, people love to throw that terminology around. Um, it's true in a, in a lot of ways, but I mean, you literally saw <laughs> kind of the wild west scenario of the early days of Pennsylvania dispensaries that had to be an, an amazing experience to get that thing started. Um, and, and, and the progress that you achieved in what, uh, just a few months is that, did you expect that or did you, you know? Well, I, I had certainly got help. I had hired employees and, oh, and sure. you know, you, you certainly, uh, you learned to hire good people. Mm -hmm. learn to delegate uh, you know uh, that part and my again my management experience prior to that uh, helped but um, fortunate and so so my experience in, in the pharmacy operations things getting opening pharmacies which I had, I don't know how many I had opened over the years maybe 100 maybe more wow. and then and then as a recruiter I was able to hire good people and and just you know built built a great team and um it's yeah. yeah, it's like the East isn't the Wild West, even if we have a dirt floor starting space, it's like the licensing that's set up. And I think like the the structure that is in the East Coast um, markets is so different than what you're seeing in these free markets in Oklahoma, New Mexico and things like that. Um, I don't know if you've had any experience with any of those markets and if you have an opinion on you know, what works and what you would change if you were doing it all over again today? 
I do see on the East Coast, whether it's in the two states that I, that I bring to attention here, I've been learning from perhaps uh, from some of the, uh, I don't want to call them mistakes on the West Coast, because who, 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 how do you really define a mistake in this industry? Right. It, it, it's so wild. well said. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's a business of risk takers. It's a, it's a new industry. Um, and but you look at uh, at Massachusetts, uh, uh, some of the uh, some of the progressiveness of Massachusetts and recognizing the market where they just a year ago, now they provide home delivery of cannabis mm -hmm. uh, and address those users, whether recreationally or medically, to the people who are afraid to be seen in the dispensary because they might run into their their kid's third grade teacher. Yeah. Um, uh, or, or their high school students. Or their high school, all that, exactly. <laughs> yes. um, college students, yeah. And, and then you look at New Jersey, where they're really perhaps uh, starting to look at the, the equity uh, licenses that uh, uh, really is a, a great way of addressing some of the inequities, uh, legal inequities over the years. Is it reparations? Mm, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But I see that as a very positive step um, to bring history and perhaps some uh, experience into the industry. My only pause with that is, uh, and this is speaking as an educator, um, to grant an equity license to give people a little cut in line to go to the head of the line, perhaps to, to work in the industry or to get a license, which is fine, but you're not giving them the education they need to do that. So what made you a, a great black market dealer? Mm -hmm. Maybe so to be so successful at it that you found yourself into legal trouble uh, does mm -hmm. not always translate into uh, operating within a highly regulated industry. And I find that is, that's another place for what the education side of the business can do. It can, it can keep people out of, out of future financial trouble mm -hmm. uh, and to keep people out of future legal trouble by understanding the rules and the regulations, how the business, and, and just basically how to manage a business. So, yeah. I, you know, there was an article uh, a, a while back, uh, maybe two months ago in the New York Times about it that uh, uh, did an excellent job uh, bringing that out to, to really more, more needs to be done. That I guess that's what you, that's so all. Is that, is that your biggest, uh, what do I want to call it, motivator or thing that really drives you in, in both in your experience with the dispensary is now with the. Pennsylvania Institute of Technology is that education or that gap in education is that a big driver for you because I mean you left a great career you were very successful yeah. as a pharmacist so to take that leap of faith and to leave everything behind and and go from an established career to something that's a bit of a, a you know a big risk really frankly you know I'm sure that wasn't an easy decision so is that one of the big drivers for you it's one of, I can't, you know, I like to say that, you know, it's the number one issue. Uh, there, there's, there's so many. Um, uh, and and it's, it's, you know, it's the marijuana industry, which is so new and so exciting. And uh, you, you want to see people out there that do it properly and correctly. Um, you want to get away from some of the um, misinformation that's out there because I, I don't, you, you can't, you can't stigma is so so uh, strong toward marijuana that the only way that I see you can break down stigma is through education, telling people, you know, historically why it's why there's been cannabis prohibition now medically 
for the last 85 years or so, but why it's been recognized medically for the last 5,000. You know, you have mm-hmm. to, you know, you've got to get an education is breaks down stigma. It, it, it brings um, more responsible players into the business because um, you're still operating within a federally illegal marketplace and, and people are still, even with all the adult use changes and, and medical changes, people are still getting arrested for, for marijuana. And uh, mm-hmm. um, they get too comfortable sometimes with how they see this, each state's laws becoming so lax that they find themselves sometimes unknowingly uh, in trouble. Um, so that that itself, but there's, you know what, Mike, there's many reasons why I'm, I'm involved in it. But the other part of it is, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's, it's fun. I mean, you know, marijuana, I like, you know, I, I, I think marijuana is a great drug recreationally. I prefer it to alcohol. Yeah. I prefer it to, you know, uh, I like it, you know, and so and, many people do. In that not? third, you mentioned a 35 year gap from college to when I guess you left the pharmacy world. Did your tolerance drop at all during that 35 years? No, you know, wow. no, you know, um, a, a funny story, um, a funny story is so I, I, I now I, I left pharmacy and uh, um, I was um, I, I had just been hired uh, to work at Holistic and I'm in my uh, we, my wife and I were just uh, bought a new home. And it was a Saturday morning, about eight o'clock in the morning. And I had to meet a painter to come and look at painting and give me an estimate. And he asked me what I did. And I told him, and, you know, and he said, oh, and, and he's all oh, my, my wife has chronic pain. I wish she would use cannabis. You know, it's so helpful. He says, you know, I've been using it as a painter. You know, he says, I, I use it all the time, you know, because aches and pains from painting. And he was probably, uh, you know, an older gentleman, such as mm-hmm. myself. And and uh, and we talked a little bit about you know medically you know well I said look you're, when your wife's ready perhaps she'll try it and, you know um, and then he just said he goes and he was Australian and he said so mate you want to get high and, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't been high now in thirty five years and I'm like yeah well okay sure so so you know we're I smoke a joint with this guy and it was. It was very, it was very good. Uh, it was very good marijuana, and 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 I got, I took two hits at this joint, and I and he just drove away. I'm like, how? Yeah. And like, boom! I just got so I went inside, and you know the house is empty, and I called my wife immediately. I'm like, Maria, I you're not gonna believe what just happened. So I just <laughs> went, I'm really high right now, and she's well, Come stay off me. a ladder, stay off a ladder. <laughs> like, All right. So I'm, I'm, so I was doing some painting as well. So I figured, geez, what can I do where I'm not going to get into trouble? So I'll just paint doors. So I'm painting doors and painting doors. And, and now I'm like, um, I, I've been, pa- I painted right through lunch. It's probably like, I've been painting now. I didn't even know how long I had been painting this. I, I was like, and I was starving. <laughs> of course. And, and I, and I, and I live very close to a, you know, a deli. It's a Wawa for all your Pennsylvania. There, there we go. Yeah. Hoagie Fest is and I'm in like, the house. And, and I could, and it's only like maybe, you know, a hundred yards away. Oh, and I'm like, I'm going to be lunch or whatever. And I looked at my watch. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so, so Mike, um, 
I basically picked up exactly where I left <laughs> off the last time I had smoked a joint. I was, you know, total distortion of time and, and that is great. hungry. Like, you know, of course I went there and just bought, you know, everything. Everything. Uh, Wawa is the mecca and, and of so, the munchies. Um, did my tolerance change? No, but it did bring <laughs> back a very, a very fun memory. Uh, <laughs> That's a great story. I feel that like we, I feel like we need the, the applause effect here. And if Frank can go back <laughs> in post-production, that last segment of the Infuse show with the Australian painter, that was brought to you by Great <laughs> Barrier <laughs> Reefer Dispensary <laughs> in Oklahoma. Our yeah. friends out in Oklahoma from Australia, Great Barrier Reefer Dispensary. That was fantastic. It wasn't. It wasn't for stigma. Right now, you you know, I, I'd flash the name of the painter. You know, <laughs> right, right. Estimates and, and all that, but uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, getting back into it again was was fun. It was well, fun. Speaking of stigmas, Lou. I mean, you worked in pharmacy, you know, and I know being in cannabis, you hear a lot about big pharma being the big bad wolf that's knocking at the door and it's going to blow the cannabis house in unless we build it with bricks. So do you, did you face any of that um, friction when you crossed over from pharmacy to cannabis, or do you find that you can leverage it so effectively that, and, and you're, you're playing for the, you know, the, the team now that you want to play with or that you want to play for and you're you're able to cross over and kind of build bridges i, I mean is this a two-party system of pharmacy <laughs> pharmacy and cannabis or yeah, I, I don't know with my experience in, i don't know if my experience in retail pharmacy really played into that i mean you look at the statistics you know when when there's a, a, a medical legalization of cannabis you typically see opiate pain relievers drop by prescriptions drop by somewhere between 20 and 25 percent or so mm -hmm. um you look at uh, uh, how the laws are um, been pretty harsh against opiates lately, with uh, with prescribing and day supplies and limitations, and uh, you know a doctor can't really prescribe usually, uh, or insurance companies won't pay for any more than about a two or three day supply of an opiate um, without all kinds of special you know uh, 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 approvals and all that. Uh, but I going back to the pharmacy world. Uh, Pennsylvania is a state that requires either a pharmacy a pharmacist, uh, um, a, a physician assistant, or a physician to be on site at all times during the opening, or to be available at all times when the dispensary is open. And the 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 one thing I another uh, uh, a bit of a challenge I felt was you're requiring pharmacists to be available for consultation, but pharmacists coming out of the pharmacy world are not familiar with with cannabis. Now it's right. changing a bit, but it's not covered in medical school, it's not covered in pharmacy school, and it's an industry that's been policed with random drug tests to mm -hmm. keep pharmacists from using cannabis. So you're bringing in maybe someone with medical background, but not at all right. with cannabis medical background. And I feel that's another another area. There's a gap mm -hmm. there that needs but it to is be changing. I mean, you're already yeah. seeing um, you know, pharmacists are required to uh, perform um, uh, continuing education to keep their license active. Uh, you're seeing those you know, mar medical marijuana uh, programs now being offered. And then you are seeing uh, pharmacy schools. University of Maryland is one of note is bringing in a cannabis uh, 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 studies program into their pharmacy school. And uh, Wilkes University up in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania has just uh, started a four-year program 
uh, to kind of run alongside their pharmacy program mm -hmm. well. I, I find that to be um, uh, to, to really be a, a pretty another another big game changer where you're mm -hmm. now seeing whether it's the American Medical Association, the, the Nursing Association, all endorsing medical marijuana, and now you're starting to see the the legitimate uh, recognizing it as a legitimate uh, science. So. Uh, time, you know, it's just, yeah. Uh, I mean, imagine what will be like five years from now or 10 years from now, how things will be drastically different than today or five years ago. Yeah. 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 And, and things have moved very quickly, um, but not quick enough. Um, right. I think yeah, that's yeah. The, also, that's the, that's marijuana's distortion of, of time, uh, much like, uh, <laughs> much like my 10 a.m. breakfast. Um, but, um, good callback. But, but, yeah. But, but, it, but it is, but there is really a lot of progress. Um, uh, but, you know, the next yeah. step, the federal government to, to destabilize yeah. marijuana. So. so do you think, um, you know, in all this experience of opening retail locations for pharmacies, for, for um, dispensaries, do you have any kind of quick tips? Because we get, we certainly mm -hmm. work with people, whether that's people coming off trade show floors, you know, consultations, anything at all that they want to get into the dispensary world. They want to own a dispensary, run a dispensary, work in a dispensary, something along those lines. And so have you found universally important traits? And I'm sure, you know, your education program covers, you know, the essentials. So could you give us um, kind of a high, high level view of what, what makes a successful opening or how do you successfully open a dispensary and run one? Um, I think yeah, there are two questions in there, uh, perhaps. Uh, I usually um, do that. I stack them in there. I'll give you double down. So, you know, uh, an, an advice for people to get involved in the business. Well, how can they prepare to, to get into the business? Because right now there's a lot of on-the-job training. The, the, the one thing, uh, there are some decent programs out there. Um, uh, Dustin Sulak has a pretty decent uh, uh, course that he offers online. It's, I find that to be pretty reputable. There's a number of them that are not. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think just an over to, to look at an overview before getting in the industry, there are some of those certificate programs that are helpful. Um, our program, it's an associate's degree. It's more than, it's more than, um, if you, if you're looking to work in a dispensary, I love bud tenders. I, they make the world go round, but my program, our program here is not that. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're looking to get into a, into a, a more managerial role, uh, perhaps um, really having a, a pretty pretty large understanding of the, the history and politics and licensing and the, the, you know all that goes in all that goes into the cannabis industry, then then our program and, and programs like ours are probably okay. The the one thing I, I I'm always cautious about, and I give my students. Um, never ending grief about is be careful of the internet uh uh reddit's fine all, all that but the i i come out of more of a traditional science background and i you know i if you want to learn something you get a book a reputable book you make sure that you're getting reputable information the internet is filled with unvetted information mm -hmm. uh, no matter what it is it, it right. could be cannabis Any it could topic. be it could be how to how to fix a flat on your car you know, yeah. but it's unvetted and and it's new to I I think and it can cause some misinformation because traditionally and I'm I guess I'm more traditional I come out of that world is 
someone has an idea, someone has a thought, someone has a, you know, whatever it may be. And then it's usually vetted through the government agencies or through ac academics or through the church or through some specialist will, will either call bullshit or not. But there's a vetting process before it gets published. Mm -hmm. Now, it's really all, all information can can really fall into the wild west. You know, um, it, it's it doesn't it doesn't help. Yeah. Trying to put out reasonable, tr accurate information with marijuana uh, when there's so much unvetted information out there, uh, it doesn't help break down that stigma. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe I'm a little old fashioned that way. But. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it's, it's, it is that's a very true statement. Um, but one of the things that Francesca buried in her question <laughs> that I want to make sure we get is. Because I had to say, I wrote this exact same one down, Francesca, because we, we were into this a lot. Like as background, we, one of the real fringe benefits of our job is we visit a lot of dispensaries and we visit a lot of grows. So it's really fun and interesting to see what people do differently, what they kind of do the same and all that sort of stuff. So as you were setting up these dispensaries in Pennsylvania, was there any keys that are critical components that you said every time we need to do these two or three things to make this dispensary Ooh. a success? I just think people caring people can, who can counsel and guide people through the process of what strain is and formulation is best for them, mm -hmm. because you don't want to. Uh, you know, it's an expensive product, and you don't want it by providing people guidance how to use it, what formulation to use, uh, um, and, and strain. Um, you don't want a lot of trial and error because it's expensive for people. And you don't want people who are trying it now for the first time to have a bad experience. You know, you mm -hmm. don't want to, you don't, you don't want to give them something that they, they're coming in for something, say for anxiety, and you're not going to give them something that's so strong. It's going to, it's going to create anxiety. You know, it's, it's that part of cannabis, that, you know, it, <clears throat> it, it can, it can tip you over either way. Um, so it's important um, yeah. to, 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 to under, listen to people, um, and, and to make a, a reasonable, accurate recommendation, but, but then it involves understanding, not just Tiva, you know, Indica, and, and not just looking at THC percent. I mean, people need to understand the, the total cannabinoid profile of the product, you know, your, your CBD THC ratios, which kind of, that's the yin and the yang of mm -hmm. cannabis. And then, and then your terpene profiles that are also so important. Um, people, you need, at a minimum, you have to understand what you're recommending. And then at a minimum, uh, I, you, you're not a, you don't need to know every medical condition what somebody's using it for. Um, but you should at least understand the, the product to have a, a general idea of what, you're, of what the patient is asking for. So, so good employee training, I guess, is <laughs> bottom line with the bud tenders and um, yeah. making sure they're up to speed and and strong in that area. Yeah, and 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 recreationally, I don't know if it's as crucial, but medically, I feel that it is. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, medically it's it's critical. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it in recreational, it's it is important. I don't know if critical is accurate, but it's important because even if I'm going into a dispensary in Colorado or California or somewhere, and I'm like, hmm, I want something that's going to make me feel more giggly, elated, creative, and active, versus I'm looking for something to help me go to sleep, or I, you know, I just need something that'll kind of chill me out for a while. Those are still effects I'm pursuing. So the understanding of the plant, the the profiles, the effects of it is still important in that even if it's not a patient care issue, it's still mm-hmm. a customer care issue, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess perhaps, you know, going back to your previous question, you know, what really motes, motivates me to, to, to be in this, in the educational side of cannabis, it's that. I mean, you know, you, you want to make sure that people who are turning to, uh, I'm, I don't want to call it an alternative therapy or, you know, but people who are turning to, to marijuana and maybe for the first time, you want to make sure they're having a, uh, a, a good outcome uh, mm-hmm. because you don't want to, you don't want to create a lot of naysayers out there. Oh, I tried it. It was awful. I, you know, and, and that's, that, uh, that doesn't help uh, the industry and it doesn't help the business either. You know, now right. you, your business has a reputation of not understanding what they're recommending. Yeah. And missing I, that mark. Yeah. And, and, and uh, the internet is cruel to, to <laughs> dispensaries that, that don't do that, you know? Um, no yeah. You see some really harsh reviews and maybe, maybe deserve it. I don't know. Um, but um, well, not everybody can survive. And that's the one thing we see in, you know, especially a state like Oklahoma free market state where there's, tens of thousands of licenses only the strong are going to survive over time and and we're seeing that um very very much so in oklahoma other states we're seeing more of a consolidation whittling down of some of the weaker players and i think education of consistency of staff is the other one that we keep uh kind of seeing as a as a real critical notion in terms of reducing employee turnover because to keep training people and keep training bud tenders over and over again, you're never going to get a bud tender that has enough longevity and expertise to really continue to be like the, the in-house guru that people trust and come to and want to talk to all the time. Yeah. You know, Nick, it looks like you're about to say something. Go go right ahead. The one thing and, and, um, uh, talking, I guess this goes back to vetting. Um, the fact that banks really don't want to do business in the uh, with with the, in the marijuana industry, some do. It's yeah, but, you know the ones who want to fill out you know the suspicious activity reports, you know a, a piscillion times a day and charge <laughs> and charge crazy money. Uh, that's a whole separate industry, and that's not. But but until the until the federal government deschedules cannabis, and now banks are free to uh, do business with them without jeopardizing their federal insurance and all that. B- banks banks are interesting vetters, uh, whether you're opening up a sub shop or you're opening up an ice cream parlor or you're opening up a, a, a marijuana dispensary because you have to go in with a business plan. You have to go in with people who are qualified. They want to see your background. They want to, they're, they're vetting you. Are you going to be a, a successful business? Because as much as banks love to loan money, because that's their uh, that's a good part of their business to to loan money and and, and make money that way. Um, banks don't banks don't want to be in the cannabis business. They don't want the business turned over to them. A bank will loan money for a mortgage, 
And, and if you don't pay the mortgage, they take the house. But banks don't want to be realtors. They don't want the illegal asset either. No, the banks <laughs> yeah. don't want to be banks don't want to be in the marijuana business yeah, either. Bunch of so, so, <laughs> <laughs> so so again, that are, will that day come when you're not going to see this wild market out there with licenses and things. You're going to see people that are getting money from banks and properly vetted. And private money is still fine. But but the money invested in these in these businesses, a lot of the times, especially in the, the horticultural side of things, I mean, it's you know, they want to see that um, you, you can grow a lot of plant. You, you have the ability to grow a lot. And what happens is you grow a lot to get investors and, and, and by by growing a lot, you're creating a, a increasing supply of the product that's decrease in the value of your product and now you can't pay back your investors it's slippery just, slope it's a slippery slope and so these are things in time and whether you know right now it's you know the, the vetting process is perhaps you know are you just running a good dispensary but there's more Bank, banking can help the industry you know it went allowed to do so mm-hmm yeah, well, you'll probably edit that out. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think I don't I am think the, I'm in the cannabis business, and I'm and I'm and I'm promoting banks. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to cut as long as you're not as long as you're not promoting credit card processors. We're good. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> Mike, did I tell you I met the guy who has the workaround of that at the last stage? <laughs> oh, the one guy. Finally, yeah. Lou. I, finally. I I had a question because uh, even, uh, uh, you know, being in the education game for so long, I remember uh, vividly having uh, around this time of year. Oh, by the way, you have to come up with a different summer reading uh, test for for student X because their mother didn't like this novel choice you made. Um, We used to get blowback all the time about content and things like that. Was there any kind of blowback when when PIT made the call to say we're going to have this program of cannabis studies was there any uh backlash that you guys experienced not at all not wow. at all. they have been just terrific I mean they have just been great um they review the course but, you know this is not a you know how to you know how to the course doesn't teach you how to dab I mean we're not teaching people how to <laughs> points you know we're the we go over the body systems, anatomy, physiology, diseases of the body, um, yeah. how it's being uh, typically treated, and how cannabis can help, yeah. and not how cannabis cures all. How cannabis has a role in colitis or um, uh, uh, many different, uh, you know, the, the many varied uh, illnesses where cannabis is shown to to, to be effective. Um, it has been that kind of a program. Um, we don't go to, we don't go to uh, rogue. Um, yeah, we do go over devices and things. You know, we go over why one dab nail is better than the other. We do go over, you know, uh, vape uh, devices. We do because you have to, you have to understand. Uh, sure. This is when the students don't like me so much. But you have to understand. You know, if you're um, vaping flour, say you're using a Da Vinci, uh, you know. Uh, product to vape flour or it's a volcano or something um vaping flour you you need to the, the patient needs to know how to use that device 
it's like it's like a diabetic comes into a pharmacy and they're buying their insulin, but they also have to buy the device to measure their blood sugar. You've mm-hmm. got to show them how to do that or they can't mm-hmm. care for themselves. If you don't show people how people can use different devices, not only can they not care for themselves, they're not going to dose themselves properly and, and they're going to they're going to have a bad experience. Right. So, well said. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of independent study going on outside <laughs> of the classroom by the students. We have, uh, you know, there's some courses on dosing and, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, there's, there's math problems to it, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, you have a set, you know, you have uh, flour, 17% flour and a patient's going to roll a joint. Uh, how many milligrams of THC per puff? Uh, students just, they hate that. <laughs> But you, you, you have to know that you have to know, you know, do you put in there like the patient's a big hitter or a small hitter? Like that, <laughs> that part of the equation? Yeah. Lung capacity, how long <laughs> your experienced user or experienced user can hold a hit longer. And you do go over that. You, you, you do. Cause you have to, I know it's yeah. it, it it of recreational uses, but you it's have important. to think there are, it is important. It is important. They have to understand how to use that product. You know, somebody wants to make, you know, you're in business and you want to make brownies and you want each brownie to be 10 milligram. And now you've got a, you've got flour that is 15% THC. How much flour are you, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are you, what are you going to use? And you have to know, don't put on the label it's a 10 milligram brownie and it's not, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. they hate that. <laughs> so what about on the um, business side of the lessons that that you teach? Because certainly that's, you know, where where we do a lot of our work is putting, you know, the business behind people's cannabis businesses. Because what we see is, you know, you have farmers that love to grow. You have people that are passionate about creating something, but are not trained in how to run a business or how to set up for a healthy business. Um, and so then- they can hire us as consultants and all of that. And then we come in and, and be that that piece, that missing piece for them. So I'm really interested in what it is on the business um, curriculum that, that you guys cover. Is it focused on dispensaries, focused on cultivators, focused on lab testing, or is it broad enough to apply to any business they want to get into? You know, I, I hate to give an answer. It's probably all of the above. But really, when we have a retail course, it starts with, um, how to fill out an application to get a license. And that's a good start. And, and in Pennsylvania, <laughs> of course. Uh, a license application is, uh, um, is somewhere around 200 to 250 pages long. Right. And, and it's a, it's three lectures to get through it. And, you know, how to, how to complete the application. It's another course the students don't like so much, but you've got to have an advisory board. You have to show that you're, uh, you know, uh, your hiring practices. You have to, you know, the dimensions of your business to go through the application step by step. And then what, to, and then to understand the law, you don't want people getting fined because they're not complying with the law. You ha- they have to read the rules and the regulations and know the law. Don't get into the business without understanding. It's like opening a liquor store and not understanding what the regulations are with taxation and, 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 you know, uh, your liabilities and, and mm-hmm. all that. So we go through the application process why they're asking a certain question about ownership, why they're asking a, a question about your security system, you know, to, to know where, how many cameras you have to have, to know, you, you know, um, what procedures you have in place for just, you know, employee 
uh, hiring practices. You're they anyway. They, you need to start oh, wow. there, and and so now you know the rules of the game, and now you can begin to um, uh, to build your business. You know what is mm -hmm. a, then you go to a mission statement. What are you doing? Who, what is your business? Who are you? And and what is your business all about? And then you're working your way down to, <laughs> and then you're, the fun stuff. You know how to how to divide how to how to make a logo. Now, what's your label mm -hmm. going to say? What your uniform's going to say? Those are all fun things that people want to jump to. You know, what's the name of our business? What's going to be the name of our business? Like, what? Well, let's back up a lot and let's find out exactly. You know, once you go through the process, now all of a sudden you come out at the other end. We have a capstone course where the students, uh, it's right from the, you know, from um, what is their business going to be. And then at the end, they have to present a whole PowerPoint presentation like they were presenting to a bank, their business plan. Oh, uh, that's this, great. That's fun. Yeah, that's they fun. really they really like it. You know, at the end, they like it, but it's hard. You have to kind of work with them each week. Um, but so that that's uh, that's our business side of things. You take them through SWOT analysis and all these. Yeah. It's, not, it's not Harvard. It's not Harvard Business School, but but it's enough to get people. Uh, to give them at least an understanding of what they need to do and to keep them from making mistakes. Are they most surprised by the pace and the amount of things they have to get through to go to where they thought they knew? Is that it? Like they're like, oh, I thought I could just it's not name surprised. a business and get going. It's not surprised. <laughs> You're it's, shock. it's shock because they all, and not they all do. And I, and I think it's wonderful they the then the horticulture side of things people want to be craft growers and mm -hmm. that's wonderful uh on the business side of things people want coffee shops mm -hmm. that's wonderful as well um but when they get through go through the process I, they're glad to have the information even if they go off and work in a dispensary they're typically the students from our program or, or students in, that have, have done the work with this not just our program we don't have the exclusive right on anything but they they typically are the the more informed people working in the dispensary. They know why they they can't or they can't perspective. Yeah. yeah, they they know you know why in Pennsylvania why why do the signs not have a marijuana dispensary on the building? You know why can't I why can't I call it uh, you know uh, a, a marijuana dispensary? But because because the bank probably holds a mortgage on that building. Mm -hmm. And and by putting that on there, the bank's going to call the mortgage on the landlord. You know, oh, oh, you know, and now all of a sudden, now they're, that's a good small example of the rules of the game. Well, and, the, and the beauty of the program also is that they get to learn this without putting their own money at risk or investor money at risk, which so many people jump into this business and, and don't make a go fly. of it. And yeah, and learn on the fly and fail on the fly. Mm -hmm. And where these students are getting real world experience and be able to model through something like that and understand what they like and what they don't like. But then uh, with, if they do want to pursue it, they're going to be better qualified and better chance of success. So it, I, I'm that's really, really exciting. Great work. And that, you don't want to be there. You don't want to borrow $100,000 from from family or say to do that, to go into this business and then find out that, you know, you got, you, you didn't get a license or you got your license revoked. And so now you have no business and now you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt. That's yeah. what are you going to then? So what do you do now? Thanksgiving is rough yeah. when that happens. Yeah. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 
You're right. Yeah, you're at the, you're, you're at the kids' table yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forever. Banned. Yeah. yeah, Francesca. Francesca, did you see Mike Patterson's eyes lighting up when he's describing the course description, the different oh, yeah. business courses? Oh, I could just oh, see the yeah. wheels turning. Guest yeah, lecturer. This- Guest uh, professor Mike would, Patterson. This is this is be- Frank actually messaged me. He just put his resignation. He's going back to school. <laughs> you know, we've been very fortunate. We have a number of people that were in the in the business um, um, that uh, that are adjunct professors for us and give some of these lectures. So we've been very very fortunate. Not just me. I'm making it sound like it's me, um, but we have uh, we probably have about you know five six seven instructors total, and each come to us. I have a gentleman that works in the extraction side of things he's he's doing co2 extraction all day he's doing that and he's a degree mm-hmm. in chemistry and he teaches uh, that extraction course for us i have people that have managed to work for uh, in the sales side of things uh, uh dispensary management um we have i will mention stephen miller who oversees our horticulture pro- uh, program um he is the, he's a master grower out of colorado uh won the cannabis cup a few years back oh, he man. is great uh, you know he's just uh, he's, impressive he's so, team he's yeah. so highly regarded and he's just such a great guy uh, yeah. honestly he's uh, impressive team and impressive program i mean and again for our, our audience three tracks of study with cannabis health therapy cannabis horticulture that's a cool one too because uh I remember jumping online and you could you, you had live feed up of different uh, grow operations. It I it's it's such an exciting thing uh, to to behold for me uh, and as well as the cannabis business track that we've been talking about for the past couple of minutes. Uh, it is absolutely impressive. And I, I uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm grateful that someone like yourself is overseeing a program that's doing this much good, uh, Lou. And I'm grateful you have me on your program because, uh, you know, working together, you know, information is so vital to uh, uh, to make sure that the business moves forward responsibly. Yes, um, absolutely. We all benefit. We all absolutely. Benefit. Whether you're a refuge user or a medical user, you know, um, you want to make sure that uh, um, it's it's being it's being run by by people who know the know the business, know the rules, and and being run responsibly. Yeah, it's it like you said in the very beginning, that is the key to defeating the stigma because we have to do all this work to overcome it, to take it from where it's been for almost a century to where we we know the truth is now and to rush that or to do that in in any misinformation or disinformation way. It just does nothing but hurt the cause that we're all trying to work towards. So, um, yeah, definitely kudos to you, to your students and to the program at PIT that just um, is doing all the right things to help end that stigma intelligently. Thank you. Thanks. Francesca, you usually uh, have a question, a fun question as we wrap things up with our guests. Uh, Do do you have one? Do you have one today? I do. I do. I have a question about what you would rather. So would you rather be able to eat anything you want in any quantity at any time without it ever adversely affecting your health or be able to fall asleep, stay asleep and wake up on command, have total control over your sleep habits? Wow. Oh, my God. 
Lou, <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, you're up. <laughs> well, usually I overeat to the point where I fall asleep on the couch. So I, I get both. Two and one. I get both. But, but if, if I have to have one or the other, sleep is really important. But I love food, too. Uh, can I have another question? I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> They only get weirder. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, uh, uh, I'll go with sleep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll go with sleep. It's a good answer. Was that the right answer? I don't know if there's a right one. <laughs> okay. I think it's just good. <laughs> um, Nick, what do you? What about you? Uh, having uh, several animals at home that uh, wake me up whenever they deem uh, breakfast time, I would rather have uh, <laughs> control over my sleep. Uh, <laughs> And and put the rest, put all the other things to bed. There's a pun. Yeah, there you go. Mike, you, <laughs> I you look deep a, in I thought. can recommend a strain for that, Nick, if you'd like. Thank you, Lou. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. I think I'm going at the food end of this one. Really? Yeah, I'm going food. I got it. That to me is so tempting to be able to just eat what I wanted to and not gain weight and not have like bad health i mean no, heart issues no, yeah that anything. sounds pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah and to not have to worry about nutrition versus not have to worry about sleep is really really tough mm. i think i i gotta go with where my struggle is and i think i struggle more with sleep than i do with nutrition so i want I want to be able to just fall asleep on command instead of taking forever to fall asleep to know it's like put me out like a light. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's compelling. It's compelling. It is. It is. But it's yeah. it, I mean, that food is a close second. I know Frank's yeah. answer. Frank, Frank, we got to hear it, though. I think my answer might shock you. <gasps> I'm going to have to go with sleep and I'm going to tell what? you why. I'm going to I'm going to tell you why. If you told me I can eat whatever I want and not get adverse effects from it, I don't think I'm going to have a social life. I don't think I'm going to go outside. I'm just going to be eating all damn day and become like a hermit. So I have to go with the sleep. Plus, tossing and turning sucks. Oh, yeah, man. Does. That is shock. Frank is our resident foodie in a way. Like he just uh, yeah. is an appreciator of all good foods and um, all things yeah. cutlets. Yes. Yeah, yeah, all things yes. related to cut. <laughs> and, and this one's for Frank. Uh, today, the Infuse Show was brought to you by our new fake sponsor, uh, retail partner, Stoner's Pot Palace. Shop Stoner's Pot Palace for all your cooking. Oh, it's cookware. That's blatant <laughs> false advertising. Blatant false advertising. No, in all seriousness, today, our guest has been Lou Giannotti from the Pennsylvania Institute of uh, Technology, um, Director of Cannabis Studies Programs. Go to www.pit.edu. Look under programs uh, for their cannabis studies programs. It's an impressive program. Lou is an impressive educator and advocate. Uh, and, and listen, we're, we're so grateful for your time today, Lou. And for everything that educators have done, you guys have been through hell for the past couple of years, uh, adjusting to everything in this world. So thanks for being our guest today. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Lou. Awesome. Thank you, Lou. This is uh, fun. It was fun. All right. Infused listeners, we're going to see you next time from Dela who, Dela what, Delaware. Bye bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.